0: day on Christmas, let us remember that it is God who gives us understanding, it is God who gives us the ability to hear his word. Let us pray. Our most good and gracious God and Heavenly Father, it is good for us to gather to worship you. We thank you for your so great salvation. We thank you for this Christmas season and what it means to us we thank you that we can set aside time when we can celebrate the incarnation of your son come to earth to save us from our sins we pray that the joy we feel in this feel in this time of feasting and celebration w- would be a time when we feel the joy of your salvation and the joy that we have because our lives have meaning and purpose and hope because of you please open up our eyes to understanding please illuminate our understanding of your word in your Son's name, who rules with you in the Holy Spirit, world without end. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start this morning by telling a little bit of a story. It'll seem relevant later, but, but it's, it's one of those things that I think helps bring us uh, into a sense of uh, personableness when we consider God's providential hand in the coming of His Son. Some years ago, when my wife and I just had three, and perhaps pregnant with the fourth, I can't remember precisely when it was, but we were traveling from Maryland to uh, Wisconsin to visit my, my wife's family. And along the way, we had a, a couple of challenges that went on. One was very clear where we f- could feel the providences of God. It's, it's late night on a Sunday night, Driving through Chicago. If you've ever driven through Chicago, 90 is kind of a a sunken interstate with the city up above you like this and you're driving through there. And all of a sudden I start hearing what sounds like a broken belt in the tire. Bam, 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 and then boom, flat tire. So I'm looking around and it's it's in the heart of the city and it's very dark, but I gotta get off at the first exit to deal with this because there's no shoulder on on this part of the, the highway in those days. So I pull off and this is no joke, it's the only block for as far as I can see where the streetlights are working, (laughs) right? And while we're out there working, we're out there, and there's a row houses here. One of the elderly gentlemen came out and stood and talked to us while I worked on the car, and it was just a real blessing that in the middle of darkness, potential danger, in an area I'm unfamiliar with where God provided light as well, as provided company from the community. Several days later, because we went to Milwaukee and then we're heading towards Rachel's parents, we're driving and I know for you younger people this part some of this is going to be hard to imagine, but this is in the days before there were smartphones. This is actually in the days before most people had cell phones, right? And so We're driving, and we're heading into central Wisconsin, and we're in farmland, and we're driving along, it's a beautiful sunny day, and then all of a sudden, you can see this line, and when I say line, I mean it was a straight line of black clouds, and it was moving across us, and I'm looking at that, and I think, man, that looks pretty ominous, and within five minutes, the entire sky is black, I mean black, black. And I start thinking, man, maybe we should try to find an AM radio station that we can get some sort of weather report. Because, you know, we didn't have apps on our phones and all of this. No one could call us to tell us, hey, watch out. I was listening to the, to the news this morning. They talked about bad weather. And as we're driving, we start seeing that on the overpasses, there's fire trucks and police cars. And they've got, they've got people standing on the bridges with binoculars. And I'm like, man, <laughs> this must be serious. There must be tornadoes. They're watching for tornadoes so they can radio in and they can respond. Back in the olden days. And, and we're sitting there driving in our car, and we've got three little kids in the back seat. And we're saying to ourselves, Rachel and I are making plans. Okay, if we see a tornado, we've got to get out of the car we got to go get in a ditch, right? And who's going to grab which kid, how we're going to do this, what we're going to do. And, of course, um, we do make it safely through that storm. We saw some heavy rain, some other things, but we saw no tornadoes. We get to her parents' house, and Rachel's mom is just utterly stressed out because she'd been hearing reports that all along the interstate we're going, tornadoes were dropping down all around us we couldn't see it for the blackness and the rain but they were dropping down and where we were driving we were safe and here we see again the providences of God sometimes we see immediately like the lights and a nice person in the community coming out to us as bringing us um, an understanding of God's providential hand in the second story It seems like almost, uh, if, if we don't believe in luck, of course, but dumb luck. We're just going along, and the storms are all about us, and we are living in ignorance of God's providential hand. And you see, sometimes we fail to realize God's providential hand. Sometimes it's abundantly clear, and other times there are forces outside of us, greater, going all around bringing difficulties to us, and we don't see God's providence. Additionally, have you ever felt pressures from people, government officials, maybe leaders in your community, and you feel the hand of the tyrant, and you say, man, that's putting pressure on me. Or maybe you've felt times where things beyond your control, sickness, Death in the family. And you say to those things, where is the providence of God? I want us to think of this today. I want us to think about three things when we consider the Christmas story. I want us to think about God's sovereign hand. I want us to think about heaven and earth become back in sync. And I want us to think about what our grateful response should be. And that is praise and proclamation. Let us once again hear our gospel reading today with a few additional verses. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, so that all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in that same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, They made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Now, in this this story that we see that we're very familiar with, we see a tyrant. When hard things come upon us, we see sometimes a tyrant. Sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's circumstances, sometimes it's our health. And those are things that come upon us we can't control. We see that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And that all the world, and of course this word world here isn't world like we think about world. This is oikomene, this is the, the world that is the Roman Empire. And he says the, the, it goes out for them to be registered. So all went to be registered, each to his own city. And it says that Joseph and Mary went to the city of David. And of course he is from the lineage of David. And it says that he took his wife Mary... Was pregnant and with child. You know, we believe in the sovereignty of God and His providence because the Word of God teaches us these truths. We readily accept God's providence when our sins are forgiven and when we can easily see God's care and provision for us. On the contrary, when we go through inconveniences, difficult trials, or suffering, we tend not to respond with the same gratefulness for God's sovereignty in our minds we keep such daily hindrances and sufferings not as the providences of God you know I'll just pause right here you you know one of the most frequent places we don't think about these providences traffic that's God's providence he's called you here you live here he's called you in this day to experience things or how about this how about the sickness of our children These are just small small inconveniences, although they can be trials at times. But these are God's sovereign hand. In our minds, we keep such daily providences and sufferings not as the providences of God. We declare, what is God doing? I cannot see any good coming from this. How is God glorified in this? When Satan, the accuser, or God-haters are putting pressure in our lives, often we cannot see God's plan to be glorified in our lives or in the lives of anyone now or in the future. Consider Caesar Augustus. This is a tyrant nearly 2,000 miles away from Mary and Joseph. Do you think he just woke up one day and had a stirring in his stomach and thought, "Mm, I want to see how many people are in my kingdom, so I can start counting all the money, all the revenue that's going to be coming in. No, that isn't what happened. We see that God moved this tyrant to tax at this time and in this very way. He could have picked any ways, but no, God was directing this tyrant. Caesar had no connection or thoughts to the sovereign decrees of Yahweh, the triune God. Yet God was bound to keep his prophetic word that we hear from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler of Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. God in his providence is saving the world, working through kings, governments and peoples everywhere we see in second peter beginning in verse or chapter 1 in verse 20 knowing that first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but of holy men of god spoke as they were moved that is how they were carried along by the holy spirit Both the prophet and those who God moves are carried along by the Holy Spirit so God himself will be proven true and he will be glorified. Caesar makes this decree and unknown to him is part of the greatest story of all of history. We see that tyrants like Caesar are not considerate towards their subjects. He doesn't care about the suffering and difficulty he brings And he's especially not thinking of Mary and Joseph. If you don't think that there are difficulties and suffering for Mary and Joseph in this, let me propose a few thoughts to you. I know that when my wife was pregnant, if I took her on a 90 mile donkey ride, (laughs) or worse yet, a 90 mile hike, she would not only be inconvenienced, but would most certainly suffer pain. And discomfort. Also, if we were on a remote road, the danger to a birth would only be magnified. We saw last week that Mary and Joseph submitted to God's providences by the words brought to them through the angelic messengers. As Christians, we read the Bible, hear sermons, or read books, and we submit to these messages from God. But when God works in our daily lives in various trials, we need to trust in his providential plan about us because he will be glorified. We can rest in the assurance of his faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2, verse 11 tells us this. This is a faithful saying. If we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithful, faithless, Jesus remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. God is faithful, and His providences are for His glory and our benefit. The Christmas story shows us that Jesus is born in true humanity. Luke 2, verse 6 says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I want to just point this out. What's the deal with the manger? What's the deal with the swaddling cloths? These are merely markers. They're identification markers. Because you can imagine later on when these... Uh, shepherds come running into town and they're looking around for a baby they're looking for two things they're looking for a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, who happens to be lying in a manger I suspect there were other babies in Bethlehem that night wrapped in little pieces of cloth because that was what they did but to find one wrapped in cloth pieces of cloth and laid in a box for feeding animals That would be kind of unusual. By the way, I just want to point this out. The fact that Jesus is wrapped in little strips of cloth as a baby points to his death when he is placed in a tomb and wrapped in cloths, little strips of cloth. So from his very birth, we begin to see imagery of his death. We're also going to see in this narrative pointing towards his resurrection and ascension. It's easy for us to accept that Jesus was fully God. This explains why he's perfect. The harder aspect is that he was born fully God and fully man. We see his humanity that at his birth, Jesus needed to be kept warm. That's why he's wrapped up in the strips of cloth. And just like Adam, the first Adam, Jesus, the second Adam, was born hungry. Remember when God created Adam? He gives two instructions right away. One is about taking dominion and being fruitful and multiplying. But the very second instruction is about what to eat and what not to eat. When God created Adam, he was hungry. He was going to have needs, and God addressed those. But Jesus, the second Adam, was born hungry, just like every baby who's born is hungry. We see also that Jesus, throughout his whole life, continues to eat. We see that Jesus slept in Luke 8. We see that he cried in John 11. We see that he suffered in Matthew, Luke, and John. We still think that Jesus was somehow not fully like us. Maybe I should say we live with an understanding that he's not fully like us. But Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 tells us this. Therefore in all things he, that is Jesus, had to be made like his brethren. That's us. That he might be merciful, and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation—that is to say, to be made so that he could die for our sins and pay that price for all the sins of his people. For in that he made him, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He was tempted; the Scriptures tell us in all ways, as we are. And we see that Jesus was tempted just because we need to be delivered from the bondage of sin. He came down just like us, like it says in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 6, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross jesus was born by the ordinary means of childbirth jesus was as every other baby needy for time and as the last verse of luke 2 tells us that over time in verse 52 of luke 2 it says jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with god and man he grew up he had to do chores he needed think about this now As a baby, he needed his parents to help him to be obedient. Because it is actually Mary and Joseph who later on are going to take him to the temple so that he can fulfill all things of the law, so he can be circumcised. We are, just as Jesus was, dependent on one another to walk in faithfulness to God. You know, the narrative then shifts to more angels. Last week we talked about the response that Mary and Joseph had to the angels. But there are more angels yet in the story. And remember, we talked about last week how the reason that you see Mary and Joseph start with being afraid is because when the angel of the Lord shows up, it's always about judgment. God's bringing a message, and maybe there's hope in there, but there's always judgment when the angel of the Lord shows up. But instead, this angel shows up And it's about joy and peace. Verse 8 tells us that they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields. And of course, we know about this. We understand this. And it says that when the angels showed up and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, they were greatly afraid. They were weak in the knees. Their strength left them. We see this over and over in the scriptures. And he says, I bring you good tidings. This good tidings is the gospel. It's what lifts us up. And he says, of great joy. This is abundant joy, people of God. It is gladness. It is gratefulness, which will be to all people. And, of course, he says, born in the city of David, there's a Savior. There's a Deliverer. Now, I want to pause just for a second. Remember, it's been 400 years since the last prophet talked. Now John comes and he comes in as a prophet and begins preparing the people and he's talking about judgment. They know they're in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ, that's the anointed one of the Lord. That is the one who, he is the anointed Lord and he has the power of decision. This is the message that the angel brings. And here's, here's where it gets really glorious. If it says the glory of the Lord shone round about him, that was emanating because there was an angel here. But it says suddenly with the angel was a multitude. This is a whole assembly, a whole army, a whole choir. Because we always think choir. Woo, it's, that's nice hear the singing. But even if you look in Ezekiel where we see the glories and the praises of God in heaven, it's a mighty and it's a scary thing because of our sin but this whole multitude this army of heavenly hosts who are singing and praising god are saying glory to god in the highest and on earth that is the land peace goodwill toward men this peace means the absence of the rage and havoc of war. In our sin, we're doing battle. We're warring against our sinful natures. Because of Jesus Christ, there will be an absence of this rage and havoc of the war against our sinful natures. And why does this happen to us? Because it is of the good will that God has. That is the kindly and benevolent intent of God towards men all joy before Christ's coming has been deceitful and of short existence but this is not just joy but a great joy so boundless that its blessings fully compensate for all pains distresses and anxieties of this life what brings you stress today joy and peace are given to you in Christ But there's more. In his abundance, there is so much more. Our Old Testament reading today spoke of the tyrant of Midian wielding the rod of oppression against God's people. We see in Isaiah 9, 4, it says that you, this is God, have broken the yoke of this burden. And that the staff of his shoulder, of the tyrant's shoulder, the staff that the tyrant leaned upon, This rod of the oppressor from Midian to the people of God tells us, this passage tells us, it speaks of the deliverance of God's people. The yoke of the oppression is broken. The staff which holds up the shoulder of the oppressor is removed. We also see in verse 6 of Isaiah 9, again, the Christmas card passage that we've seen so often. For unto us a child is born... For to, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. Notice the comparison where the tyrant, the oppressor, the things that are creating stress in your life, God has broken that rod that holds up the shoulder of the oppressor. And instead we see that the government, all the things of the world, how it runs will be upon the shoulder of Christ Jesus. And his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Now this peace is really important for us as the people of God. Why? Because all of the world, every person, everything that's going on is upon His shoulder. His providential hand is at work. So much so We have peace in Christ Jesus, that we are able to die in peace because our sins are forgiven. Now returning to our Luke 2 passage, we hear of heaven and earth. It's important to note that until the time of Jesus' birth, we have only seen angels praising God in heaven. On the day of Jesus' birth, heaven and earth are back in sync. Remember, when God created the world, he created the world, and the garden was the place where God came down and met man. And the angels were there. Satan was there. There were angels in the garden. Man sins, and God guards his heavenly presence because he's so holy, will be destroyed. But now, on this day, we see that on the day of Jesus' birth, All things are brought back and made right. Since the fall of man, the veil of heaven, that's God's throne room, has been divided from earth. At Jesus' birth, the angels sing the glories of praise to God on earth. And it brings God's kind benevolence through Jesus. The hope and the peace of this occasion points that the King of kings and Lord of lords has arrived to deliver all men from the bondage of sin and death. We see just a glimpse in this of what is to come by the work of Christ. And it brings peace. And in this, we are able to see into the throne room of our Heavenly Father. Now what's the response of the shepherds? What's the response to God's work and message? And then what is the response to men? It says there, beginning in verse 15 of Luke 2, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass. Now part of it is we think, you know, it would be obvious. Angels show up, this great thing happens. We, we need to go verify this and see and, and, and fact check it. You know, We live in an age where we have fact checkers who aren't, don't apparently be very aren't very good at it but here, here's the thing they they've they've had a miracle in their presence and they're saying we're gonna go check this out and it says and they came with haste and found mary and joseph and the babe lying in the manger and when they had seen him they made it widely known all that was told to them concerning this child and what's the response of the people in the area those that heard it marveled by what they were told by the shepherds. And, of course, we see Mary's response here, too. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, I can't imagine what that's like. You know, I'm a father of eight, but I, can't, I, I don't understand the connection of a mother to a child. But as she sees all this stuff going on and all that God is doing and all the providences She's wondering what is God doing here. I know that He's. I said, Lord, do this for me. I, I, I'm your servant. Wow. She doesn't even begin to understand the depths of all of this yet. But we see then that the eight, that the shepherds return, and what are they doing? They're glorifying and praising God for what? For the things they'd heard and seen. We need to recognize. That this greatest of events in history should drive us to a great response. The message of the birth of Jesus is not of a private sort of salvation, but salvation to all people. People of God, our response to the birth of Jesus should be to first glorify and praise God. I want to just pause right here. We've done that just a little bit today. You know, our theology talks about after we've confessed our sins, we are elevated up into the heavenlies, and we are worshiping God together. And I was thinking about this. I've seen some of our our Christian brothers and sisters that I know around the world putting up their services, and they're worshiping God, and they're in the presence of the Almighty. And here today, we've been singing. We're still in the presence of God, and the angels are all about us. We can't see it, but we are. And we are singing and glorifying God with the angels. We are part of that heavenly host. We should be filled because of the coming of Jesus Christ with such an abundance and gladness and thankfulness that we too should also make widely known among others Jesus coming. Because he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. And Prince of Peace. This Christmas, let us remember God's sovereign hand in the coming of Christ and in our daily lives. That because of Jesus' coming, heaven and earth are back in sync. And that Christmas provides us yet again an opportunity for the grateful responses to praise our triune God and to give proclamation to the world of the forgiveness of sins and the restoration to our God provided to us by christ jesus let us pray bless now this time we have to come to your table of feasting we pray that you would bless all those who worship this day in your name we pray that we may be joyously grateful giving you praise and telling the people of this world the great message of your coming to deliver us of the burden and oppression of sin All our salvation has been by your providential hand. We ask this all be done by your zeal, by the great and mighty name of Jesus, who reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever, world without end. Amen.